0: great. Uh, I, Gino sometimes comes here on Wednesday nights when the kids are at youth group and just plays for hours. He has a, he has a hymn book open, but I don't know why. I don't think those are the notes that's in there. Uh, so, hey, I, I just got handed something. I just got to gotta share this with you, and I'll probably embarrass the author just incredibly, but it's just awesome. And uh, I just got back from some meetings in Orlando, uh, suffering for Jesus there in 82 Degrees and Walt Disney World and the whole thing. And I went to the MGM the theme park I chose to go to was the MGM. They handed us free tickets for any park we wanted to go to Friday afternoon. And I went to the MGM one, and they have the Muppet Show thing. That's just classic. But one of the things there they had, of course, if you've seen the Muppet Shows, those two guys up in the, 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 uh, the balcony. I mean, when I get old, man, that's the goal of my life, is to be like one of those guys, those Muppet guys that are just cracking. And, and Roger hands me this thing with the two Muppet guys on it. He just hands this to me a few minutes ago, and it says, so one guy says, so you think trike will be fine in Ukraine? And the other guy says, well, he is from the Iron Range, and he did say that some of these guys didn't even graduate grade school, what do you think? And then I could see them both going, "Ah!" (laughs) ha! You know, so, (laughs) that was classic. Um, I am, I am leaving tomorrow for the Ukraine. I'm very excited, I'm scared spitless. The thing that scares me more than anything else is, those of you who know me know that your greatest strength is your, is your greatest weakness when pushed to an extreme. Uh, I think one of my greatest strengths is I'm spontaneous. It's very hard when you're packing to be spontaneous when you get there, and it's not in the bag. Uh, so I, I'm just, I'm just kind of a little bit wigged out about making sure I pack the right things, and I've got to take a bunch of different things people have given me. Uh, they kept giving me. Would you take a guitar? No. You know, I mean, you take a slide projector, all right. So I'm carrying a slide projector from here to Kiev. So, uh, you know, things like that. we got to carry on us about $1,500 in cash. Maybe I shouldn't have said that publicly now. But, uh, but we have to carry on. So I'm just kind of a little bit anxious about some of this stuff, but it's also very, very exciting. I want to thank you that have supported the trip. I'm just a couple hundred dollars. I mean, right at that place, we're, we're doing great. And also, just those of you who signed up and well past the goal, I had, had uh, tried to get 25 people praying uh, at least once daily, just stop, and it'll be a brief email that you'll get daily. If you'd still like to be part of that team, uh, you can do that right out there. Just sign up on a, on a uh, uh, gold piece of paper, throw it in that little box on the wall there, and be happy to do it. But no, I'm, I'm excited, uh, very excited to be leaving. We leave tomorrow at 6 o'clock, and so thanks, and we'll be gone for a couple of weeks. So I'll be back on Sunday night, the 20th, and, and uh, hopefully the Lord will do cool things, and I'm excited to, to bring that back. Um, when I was at the University of Minnesota, it was cool when, I, when you brought up those four people core, and I think that's a great idea to have people who you can, if, if you're a student, and I'm just going to speak to the students for a second, and those of you who never did college thing or whatever, that's fine, you can kind of get the drift. You, you, you know what it felt like to be in your 18 to 22-year-old thing. I, I, when I was at school, I mean, I, I, I had no, at first, no contact with any Christians. I wasn't a Christian, and so uh, I didn't have any contact with them. And the people that I kind of saw as religious uh, were kind of really out there. And so when you put four people in front of you that say, "Yeah, they're they're someone that, you know, three of them at least were fairly, you know, normal people." <clears throat> three of them were women too, so you can figure it out. No, I'm just kidding there. Uh, but you no, know, they're just they're just normal folk. And uh, when I went to the University of Minnesota, it was uh, in the spring of my freshman year when I made a commitment to Christ. And I was in uh, the physical sciences. Um, I was a chemical engineer at that time. I was working towards that degree. And I remember going to some of my classes and my liberal arts classes and all the classes. And I remember thinking, um, if you're, you know, you'd hear this, and sometimes it would be overt, and other times it would just be kind of, kind of there. Basically, if 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 you're a Christian, you know, you're, you're committing intellectual suicide. You are an idiot. I mean, kind of like this uh, picture right here, you know? <laughs> You're an idiot. And they may not come out and say it that dramatically, but that's what, that's what they're thinking. You're stupid. You're wasting your life. And I remember that that was, that was a fairly oppressive thing when I was at the University of Minnesota. I mean, I, I really thought that the, the basic stream of all historical thought is what this university is teaching me right now. And it wasn't until I started being a student of history and and, and in seminaries, especially when I took courses upon courses of history, that I realized, wait a minute. A, Christianity makes more sense as a worldview than any other worldview, and B, there are some pretty smart cookies who have been. Uh, Spencer, you're one of them right here. I mean, there have been big time smart people who have been Christians, but that's not what you're led to believe. And I know many of you, if you're in that environment right now, you can believe that, man, I, just by saying I'm a Christian, it's like, okay, great, well, you're going to be a burger flipper the rest of your life or something. You know, they just don't think very highly of you. We're in a series right now in the Gospel of John. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, open them up to John chapter one. If you uh, didn't bring a Bible or maybe you don't own one, we have these little booklets. They're little. They're kind of blue, and they say the, the the Gospel of John on them. The bridge, like this. They should be all over the place inside the pews and on the upstairs. There's no uh, there's no pew rack, so you just there should be on, You can have one. You can take one home if you'd like. I also got an insert there that has the verses or it's on the screen, whichever, whatever you like best. We're in John chapter 1 right now in a new series we're going through uh, looking at the gospel of John. I want to read, I want to pick it up from in verse 9 of chapter 1. And we're going to go through verse 13 today is is what we're going to do. We've already went through these first three verses, but I kind of want to do them as a review. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So this is talking about Jesus now and he's the true light. As opposed to partial lights or false lights, he's the true light that was coming. He was coming into the world. Then verse 10 says that he actually came. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Think about that now. His own did not receive him. He came to that, which the very thing he's the author of, and they didn't receive it. So in their worldview at that point in time, the way they, the they think it'd be, follow, it'd be stupid to be a follower of Jesus. Even to Jesus, it would say, that's stupid. Because they don't, they don't consider at all. They don't recognize it. They don't see it. And of course it seems stupid to them. And then verse 12 and 13, which is what we're going to hit on primarily today. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. What I want to do this morning with you is something that I do as I prep for sermons, and I never got past there this morning, or excuse me, as 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 I worked on this. What I basically do is um, I, when I was in, in seminary, I took Greek, which is the language of the, uh, the New Testament was originally written, written in. That may sound um, really impressive, like, wow, that's really cool. It's actually written in a style of Greek called Koine Greek. Koine means common. In other words, butcher's language Greek. In other words, easy Greek, Greek for dummies. So anybody else starts spouting off Greek words and it gets really cool. Realize they're quoting, they're speaking, you know, like an Iron Ranger. It's not very bright language here. So, but one of the things I've I've learned from that experience was a, I'm horrible with languages, and b, the thing that I like about it more than anything else is it forces me to read the Bible slowly, because I have only one speed when I read in this language, and I can't read it fast. All I want to do this morning is read this slowly with you and have you think about it with me. It's the best method of Bible study I can think of. Read it slowly, pretend like you'd never heard it before, and think about it. That's all we're going to do this morning. And along the way, I'm just going to ask some questions that came up to me as I was thinking about this, statements and questions that, <coughs> that, excuse me, that have come up to me. The first one is on the first, verse, first word in verse 12, where it says, Yet. Yet, to all who received him. And what encourages me here is in spite of this whole scene we've seen so far in the the book of John, is that there are people who actually believed. There were some people that recognized Jesus. You know what? And you may be one of those currently now. You may be one of those people right now at the university or in your job where you do recognize it. You see it. And that's what this is. Yet, to all who did receive him, people actually recognized him. Now, you gotta, you got to look at the contrast here in this passage. It says, all who received him, that contrasts with what's going on in verses 10 and 11. He says, he came to the world. Uh, he, the, the world was made through him, but it didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. They rejected him. And if you were here last week, remember rejection is not just neglect. Rejection is is seeing and pushing away, repelling. That's what rejection is. That's stupid. How could you do that? You're wasting your life. They rejected Jesus. No, you're not. Get away. You're not who you claim to be. They rejected him. Second part of that that passage, says, Yet to all who received him, it says, To those who believed in his name. And that that makes me think, now what what does it really mean, this whole phrase? You often hear that phrase, you have to receive Christ. What does it mean to receive Christ? What does that really mean? To receive Christ. And if you look at that, I want to look at two parts of this. The first thing it says, To those who believed. To those who believed. Oh, okay, that's what it means to receive. It means to believe. Now, next question, what does it mean to believe, right? What does it mean to believe? It means to put your trust in, right? My favorite analogy of this comes from 1860 by someone called the Great Blondin. Anybody friends with the Great Blondin? Anyone? No. Great Blondin is pushing daisies, but... Great Blonde didn't go there, Yep. Yeah. He, there he is, he's actually, that is over Niagara Falls, and he's got his manager on his back. All right, and I think in the middle of there they were negotiating the contract too, and Blonde was saying, no, you're only gonna get 6%, maybe 5, leaning him a little bit. I don't know. But he takes his, he, from the period of 1859 to 1860, 1861, he takes many trips across Niagara Falls with tight ropes and different things. In the summer of 1860, Blondin does something that is just truly amazing. He goes back and forth, and now without the stick, he just goes like this. Then he sees a wheelbarrow. And he says, I got it. He takes the wheelbarrow, and he he pushes the wheelbarrow. Now think about that for a second. I mean, that seems like no big deal, but he doesn't even have this anymore. And there's the winds, and I mean... That's amazing. He's got, his hands are now constricted to this wheelbarrow. He takes the wheelbarrow and he goes from one side to the other side. There's great crowds on the other side, on, on each side. And the great blondin says, when he gets to the other side, he says, do you believe that I can make it back? And they all go, woohoo, of course you can. You're the great blondin, that was awesome. So he sees this one guy in the front row who's screaming very loudly, yes, you can do it, and he goes, get in. oh, wait a minute now. That's what it means to believe. That's what it means to believe. Believe is not just an intellectual assent. Oh, I believe Jesus Christ was Lord. Believing means, I'm going to put my life in Jesus' wheelbarrow, and we're going for a ride. Now, the reason why, and I'm sorry, Rob, I think I flipped you back, go one slide back. The reason why it's safe is because of the object of your faith. It says, those who believed, just what? Believed in his name. All right? Blondin, I mean, he's a pretty good tightrope walker. The story never says whether the dude got in or not. I know there was hesitancy. and I, I never know if he got in. You can't find that anywhere. I'm assuming no. But there's some reputation there. You just saw the guy be able to do it. In his name means upon his reputation, in who he is. Do you believe in Christ? Are you trusting in Christ? Now, a lot of times when, uh, uh, when you read this passage, and we'll see it again when we get to John chapter 3, when, John, or when Jesus has an interaction with this guy by the name of Nicodemus, we often use this passage to talk about the entrance into a relationship with Christ. And that is very true. To use another analogy of what it means to receive Jesus, it's like Jesus is outside ringing your doorbell. To receive someone simply means to open the door and let them in. Right? I mean, that's just a simple, that's how you receive people instead of looking through the people and saying, no, go away, I don't want any. Right? Right? The interesting thing about this, though, biblically, is this is not a one time thing. It's not a one time thing. Paul writes about this in the book of Colossians, and he says So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Same deal. Same deal for many of you in this room. Just recently, you've made a decision to, be, to, to open your life and say, Jesus Christ, I want you to come into my house. I, I want you. I receive you. I trust you. I'm opening my life to you. And guess what? That's the pattern of every day. You wake up and say, Jesus, today, today, I welcome you. Today, I want to follow you. Today, I receive you. Just as you received Christ Jesus Lord, continue that way. You can't just say, oh, you know, I did that one day, but I don't care about that anymore. No, 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 no. You've totally missed it. Open open your heart up with it. So what happens then after you do that? If you open your life up to Christ, and some of you in this room maybe are pondering that. Maybe you're at a point in your life where you're, you're wondering whether or not I should do that. What happens when you do that? Let's look at the the third part of that first verse. We've already seen, yet all two received him to those who believed his name. And here's what happens. It says he gave the right to become children of God. I landed on a word there when I was looking at this. It's the word right. He gave the right. It's cool because it's given to you. And the right there, that same word, is the word that is used in the end of the Gospel of John, when Jesus is standing before Pilate in John 19. And Pilate says, this is right before he's going to be crucified, Pilate says to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have, and here's the word, power, either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You have no power over me if it were not given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin." In other words, this thing is a little more than just a right. This is like power. This is like authority. This is cool. This is, to use the analogy, those of you who saw this movie, uh, I think it'll work now because there's a remake of it, was uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka, whichever one you've seen, and you get the golden ticket. And it, and it, I just went and saw the remake of it uh, with with Johnny Depp, who is amazing in just about everything he does. Uh, he, he, I just, how can he be both this guy and 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 and, and this, uh, this 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 uh, Willy Wonka? It's incredible. But anyway, when they're all lined up there, the only reason you got in is because you got a golden ticket, and that gives you the right to come in. You got a golden ticket. Otherwise, you don't get in. You open a Willy Wonka bar, and there it was. You got a ticket. It gave you the right, gave you the authority to come in. No one else gets to come in except you and a a guardian to come into the the chocolate factory. That's the same thing here. You get the right to do something. You get the right to become a child of God. You've got a golden ticket. Now, the analogy doesn't quite work here because you don't have to buy any chocolate bars. How do you get a golden ticket? Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, you get a golden ticket. Kind of, I mean, you have to kind of, that's what basically it's saying there. <clears throat> now, what's the real benefit here to you? It says you get to become a child of God. And it says in verse 13, His children were born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. That's the benefit. You know, listen to what it doesn't say. It says, those who received Jesus didn't all of a sudden now become really glad that they did it. Or it doesn't say that, that uh, you know, those who received Jesus, when he was on earth and today, those who received Jesus, believed in his name, didn't all of a sudden have a new world view and could understand complex problems. It doesn't say those who, who followed Jesus and, and decided to receive him, that they were able to start a new movement which was able to change the corrupt culture that they lived in. doesn't say that they were now enlightened beings. It says that there was an utter transformation that took place. It says that they got to become a child, and not just any ordinary child here, not just any... Nine pounder. Oh my goodness. Uh, I've never had a child, but if I have one, it ain't going to be nine pounds. Forget I said that, but (laughs) not a child like that. And that's an amazing thing. This child is someone who is born of God. Born of God. Whoa. That's amazing. Stop and think about that for a minute. It's an amazing benefit. You are not just the, the God being your author like he is of every human being. You are now an heir of God. You are a child of God. That is awesome. That is an awesome thing. That's what the benefit is. You're a child of God. This morning, I want to close by asking you a question. Have you received, for the first time, and are you receiving as an ongoing thing, Jesus Christ into your life? Very, very, very simple, straightforward question. You can go to church all your life. I grew up going to church. Going to church does not make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Or like going to a donut shop makes you a cop. (laughs) Uh. It's all about whether or not you personally, individually, not what your parents think, not what your friends think, not what your boyfriend or girlfriend wants you to think, what you, in your heart, have decided where you're going to put Jesus? Are you going to push him aside and say, that's a stupid, stupid to follow him? Are you going to look at the evidence and see who he was and that not only not only in his time and through the scriptures, but through history, incredible people of intellect have examined who he is and decided it's the best worldview to be a follower of Christ? Have you personally just opened your heart like, I'm opening my arms right now and said, Jesus Christ, I want you to come into my house come into my life. Want you transform me. Have you done that? Many of this from half. I know I've talked with you. Challenge I have for you this morning. Are you doing it right now? Are you right now saying, "Lord, I want you I want you just to come on in in every area." There are a few closets we need to go through together. They're a little bit dusty. Let's work on them together. So then just as you received Christ Jesus Lord continue to live in him. Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John, but he also wrote the last book of the Bible, Revelation. And he writes to one of the churches. He's writing to a church. In Laodicea, and he says this in uh, Revelation 3, he says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the Amen. This is Jesus speaking. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and, and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Tim overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The imagery here is Jesus standing at the door and knocking and everyone, not just if you've never decided, everyone has a decision to make this morning. Are you going to let him in? This letter is written to the church. This is a letter to the church. Are you going to play churchianity or are you going to be a follower of Jesus? We're going to move to a time of communion this morning and a time of worship. This communion table is a representation. It's symbolic. Of course it's symbolic. But Jesus instituted this meal we're about to take As a reminder constantly of this very need that we have. To constantly receive him. The bread represents his body that was broken for you and I. Jesus said, take and eat of me. Take and eat it. Do this in remembrance of me. What I did on the cross for you. The cup, the little glass of juice represents his blood that was shed for you to cover your sins. Jesus Christ is your sin bearer. Someone has to pay for your sins. I don't know about you, but I'm really happy that there's someone else willing to do that for me. And Jesus says he's willing to do that, but you have to take it. A pardon is not a pardon until you take it. Jesus says, take it. This table this morning, and there are tables, there's one in the back up there, I believe there's two upstairs. These are tables this morning for you to simply receive Christ. I want to invite you this morning to use this as an opportunity, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey this morning, say, Jesus, I receive you. Some of you, it may be this morning, October 6th, 2005, may be the first time in your life you've received Christ. If that's the case, when you come up and there's going to be people down here to pray for each and every person this morning, would you just tell them that? Today, and... they're not, they're nothing, they just want to celebrate with you. Let you know that. If you come and you've made a huge decision in your life, you're saying, you know what, I've been pushing Jesus away. Sure, I've come to that point where I've opened up my heart before, but I've been pushing him away. And you know what, this morning I'm going to lay that stuff down. Would you just tell that to these people? You know, I just let Jesus into an area of my life. I opened a new door and that I've been closing. And, and would you just pray for me? Maybe you want to tell them what it is and maybe you don't. And that's okay. However you want to do it, it's totally fine. You may come down front and you may just say, you know what, you just pray a general prayer for me? That's totally fine too. We're not trying to be uh, uh, in your face or anything like that. We just want to bless you this morning. So there'll be people down front and in the back, back there and upstairs who would would just love to pray for you. Let me give you a little word about instruction of how we're going to do this. In a moment, the band will come and play. There'll be a little bit of of silence before that time just for you to do some business with God. I'll, I'll lead us in prayer to begin that time. Then you spend some time with the Lord on your own. And then the band will begin to play. And, and uh, after a moment, then we'll all stand. And any time during that time, you are free to go to any of the tables at any time. And if you could come down the center here and go out the sides, that kind of helps with traffic. The other way is I'm, I'm not sure of the traffic flow. I guess just get there and find a way back. But, and take a piece of bread and, and a cup, And you can drink it here or you can take it back to your seat. You can do it as a small group with someone you came with or not. It's your choice, however you want to do it. We do not practice closed communion at Hope. We're open. Anyone can take communion here. We just ask that you're a follower of Christ. Let me pray to begin our time of worship through song and scripture and and communion. Lord, I want to thank you for these verses. It was, it's very, it was very dark last week looking at that you had come to the earth and people rejected you. And I can only imagine your pain as you went through that, as people rejected you. It's encouraging to see that yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. That's an encouraging passage, Father. And I just thank you that it's there. I thank you that you've allowed many people to see you. And I pray for that in this room right now. I pray for clarity. I pray by your Holy Spirit, you're speaking to each and every one of us right now what it is. How we should respond as we ponder receiving you, whether for the first time or an ongoing, continually living in you, receiving of you, and saying, Jesus, what areas are you? do you not have control of? So right now, Father, I pray for that. I pray for your spirit to be speaking. I pray for our ears to be listening. And then, God, I pray for the courage to go with you and to open those doors, whether it's the door of our life for the first time or those scary doors that we're afraid to let you into. Father, I just ask for that, that you would... Grant to us the courage to go with you. Pray for us, God, that that you would help us to know that it's not about us, that you are there beside us. You're holding us. You're comforting us. You have your on a bended knee, wanting us like a little child to come running into your arms. And that's what this table represents our utter dependence upon our daddy, our father. The bread. Represents your body broken for us in the cup of your blood, Jesus. And every month as we celebrate this, it reminds us of our dependence upon you. Just pray that we would be people that, that live accordingly. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's take a moment.